What's up and welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. And joining us today is our good friend, the super talented Mr. Billy Chitkin. Hello. Thanks for having me. And MoGraph is a supplement to our site, MoGraph.com, which is a motion graphics tutorial site with tutorials, plugins, podcasts, and other MoGraph stuff. And on the show, we talk about everything ranging from motion graphics to Cinema 4D, After Effects, plugins, render engines, doing business, doing taxes, being a contractor, or working for the man. You can email us, info at MoGraph.com. Let us know what you think about the show. Questions, comments, concerns, queries, grievances, artist suggestions, show topic ideas. We're on MoGraph.com. MoGraph.com slash live for all the info on the upcoming schedule. I got it all posted this morning so you can see the Oops. upcoming artists. And uh, people like uh, Jules, who are going to be on the show. Uh, he's going to be on the show the 28th. That's exciting. We're going to be talking about some I'm arcane. interested to talk to him because, you know, with all this FTX stuff, you know, oh, yes. there's been some talk about Solana and stuff like that. I wonder what they're doing. Yeah. I don't or know. He may not want me to bring it up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll find yeah. out. <laughs> That's uh, That'll be kind of a topic probably today on the show as well. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about some of that and um, and what's going on. But, uh, yeah, it's, send us your uh, questions. Send us uh, ideas, whatever you want to hear about on the show. We're here to discuss the latest on uh, technology and mm-hmm. uh, also to discuss uh, topics relating to being an artist because yep. uh, when you are sitting at your desk working, uh, you probably have a lot of things besides just the tech that, that are on your mind. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so we talk about all that stuff on the show. So if you have a particular topic you want to talk about, hit us up. If it's super, super uh, difficult topic, we'll try and answer it. I don't know if we can, but maybe we can. Billy can. Billy can do it. That's true. Billy will do it. That's true. If it's so. Redshift related, or yeah. um, or motherboards, or NVIDIA drivers, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, certain. What's things. the best NVIDIA driver currently? Four ninety seven point two nine game ready. All right. <laughs> that's ready. if you're on. That's if you're on a thirty ninety or older. Okay. Okay. Not, Are you? Do you got any forty nineties? I do not have forty nineties yet. Um, How come you're in studio? Um, it's there's like a really weird memory issue that's been going on since probably January or February huh. um, with the 512 or higher drivers. Um, what happens if each program that uses a bit of VRAM when you close that it doesn't release that VRAM back to your system? Mm-hmm. So as you as you multitask more and more throughout the day, you'll run out of memory, um, and by default when Redshift loads, it Mm -hmm. asks for 90% of your VRAM because that's just what the default preference is set to. Mm -hmm. So most people who use Redshift will run into this issue fairly quickly Ah. because Mm -hmm. because that default, whereas it seems to not really affect Octane people much because the Octane live viewer just loads it loads like depending on what you have in the scene. It doesn't Mm -hmm. like ask for more memory than it needs. so I don't hmm. think it affects Octane people as much, but it's definitely a really, really common issue on the Redshift forum and the Redshift Facebook group and Discord. Um, well, I feel like I can only load a scene, a large scene so many times before it, it, it crashes, right? Like I leave it, if I'm going to edit something in my viewport, I hit pause mm-hmm. on the viewer, make my change, and then I unpause it. The, mm-hmm. if, if I have a, like I was working with a 45 million poly scene, uh, this week, and um, I could only load it so many times before everything crashes, and I gotta just restart cinema. Okay, um, which version is the good m- one? 
497.29 game ready. It's I'm way pinned. ahead of that one and yeah. on the studio version. It's it's pinned in the Redshift channel of our Slack. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Because at, th- because at this point it's so old it doesn't show up when you search. Uh-huh. Like when you when you do the the version history, mm-hmm. there's like there's like a different list for like re- it's it, it goes in like reverse chronological order. Mm-hmm. So you got to scroll a bit because you know I think we're on like five twenty something now. Five twenty two, yeah. I just yeah. opened it up to see which one I was on. I saw a tweet about about that about some sort of memory problem like that i think it might have been liam but i don't know that i don't know uh if he was referring to that specifically or cinema 4d or what it was i just remember seeing something about that this week but maybe that was his issue might have been i I know it comes up on twitter a couple times a week so i i sort of lose track of who's talking about what because like between slack facebook discord and twitter i'm Mm -hmm. like I get pinged in a couple of these. I don't know how you get anything done. You're on all these things all the time. (laughs) Well, somehow. (laughs) Yeah. um, So there's, there's a couple things this week uh, that I want to go through. Of course uh, we, we love when people are on the show who have lots of notes because then we can just like, you know, chill and not have to think about it. But uh, so Billy's got a ton of notes. We do have a hard out. uh, We got to keep an eye on, but uh, real quick in the week wrap wrap up uh, that fire though, that fire does Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Um, Have y'all played with it? I definitely have. have. Yes, man. Now Billy's still on what? uh, R20. R21, thank you very much. R21? Yeah, so R21 is my main, that's my main one that has all my plugins and all my rendering stuff. Um, Whoa. When I do need, if if I do need, because I own perpetual licenses for it, yeah. and I've got mm-hmm. four computers, so like, if I need to UV something, I'll jump up to 23, or if I want to try to sim something, I'll jump up to 26, and then I'll, I'll downsave or like do an Alembic or whatever mm-hmm. to, to get back to 21. That way I can render it on on all the machines mm, gotcha yeah see i was but, not so you're ready. not even on the newest version of redshift are you um i'm on a fairly new version i'm on 3.5.09 which is like only one month old okay. so okay hey that's i'm in this year well there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hadn't installed uh 2023 yet i was still in 26 and mm-hmm. so I, of course, wanted to play with this pyro stuff, so I, I loaded it up. Um, and for me to test it, because, of course, I'm using Octane, I had to just do the cache to VDB mm-hmm. and then open it back up in the old version, which is, you know, not that difficult. I'm just, yeah. I'm not ready to move the stuff over. I don't even know if there's an Octane version for this next one yet, so I'm just like... I don't think there is yet. Waiting, you know, I specifically you know. asked in the Octane slack channel i was like hey can we you know get native support because apparently there's like you know in your pyro settings there's a on off and cache or something like that some sort of settings and i think that you can set it to on you know and octa or otoy should be able to just be able to use a tag with it you know now that's what i've been doing and this works amazing now I haven't played with everything on it because I, I was using it for an actual like use case. I wasn't just like mm-hmm. playing around or whatever. Um, I'm I'm working on um, like some scenes right now and 
I had a feeling this was coming, and I was doing stuff with fire and pyro, and I'm like, you know, if I time this right, I might be able to use the yeah. Naxon stuff. It might not work. I don't know. So as soon as it was announced last week uh, that they had the pyro stuff, um, I got on there. I played with it i brought it in i ran some tests and it worked really well and mm -hmm. here now so i haven't done the advection stuff for any of that I've, I've noticed there's a couple issues um like if you run a cache and then you what is it you, you run a cache and then you have to back up a little and you i don't know if it has to do with the cache or not but if you take your sub steps back down like say you go up to like four or five and then you take your sub steps back down to like zero all of a sudden nothing will happen in the viewport anymore even if you reset cinema mm. and you have to delete your your pyro not the pyro tag what's the other the pyro thing it puts in there pyro the driver pyro, or something like that yeah whatever that is i don't yeah. know what you would call that object you have to just delete it and start over like and, and I, I thought it was just a glitch but then i it happened to me multiple times after i went back down on sub steps um, but what is amazing about this, first of all, is it has the adaptive like yeah. box or whatever that goes around it and all of that. That's rad. I had actually done a scene with TFD, which, by the way, can we just pour one out for TFD right now? Right. Here's you the know. thing. Here's the only thing that I think that might that TFD might be able to compete is they've been working on multi GPU support for a while, supposedly. Mm -hmm. You know, if they get that, I could see that happening. But what sucks is I yeah. just paid like five hundred dollars for a TFD sub like literally a month ago. <laughs> yeah, and so I had a scene built like that, and I mean that's the thing TFT like it's been my jam you know yeah. and but this is just so easy and it's so much easier to integrate I did mm -hmm. a little test just to try it out right I took that tag I pasted it on, into my other scene and I was off and running like mm -hmm. it was so quick and and it's it's very fast I mean all the steps and everything and the voxel size is big you know mm -hmm. when you do a default but that's where you want to start anyway you know, mm -hmm. just to make sure everything works and then you kind of like tune it in. Um, what is great about this though is the fact that when you cache it, it is literally at that point putting it into a folder of VDBs. Yeah. There's no extra steps, there's no BRF mm -hmm. conversion or BRB, whatever file it is for like TFD. <laughs> like TFD. And the fact that, like, I don't know, you don't have the extra steps of TFD. You know, the mm -hmm. simulation window and all the things. I know people yes, would like to be able to... that's insanely yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to have a uh, selection, a lot of people have asked this, a uh, selection to choose which graphics card to sim on because yes. you want to really kind of sim on an extra card, not on the one that's running all of your monitors and things. So, yeah. hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and, of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com. From this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store. All thanks to their support. Go check them out at Otoy.com. Now back to the madness. And Billy, you might know this. There's some sort of reason why it's really hard for people to be able to do sims on multiple gpus I, I don't know if it has to do with how they talk to each other or yeah i mean i would imagine um like the way that rendering stuff works is like typically you assign each bucket to each card and it's pretty straightforward 
um but as far as sims go i don't yeah i don't know like sharing that memory across both ones like simultaneously uh, i don't know but it would be nice for sure to get to get multi-gpu support um mm-hmm. yeah. i don't do any i don't do heavy sim stuff i i just don't like waiting for loading bars um, <laughs> yeah yeah well, I do wish I, I it's great. And, and this is the biggest thing that I wish C40 would integrate is caching, you know, just caching similar to the way Houdini does or After Effects does where it just caches as you play, you know, mm-hmm. and then if you change something, it deletes the cache and you start all over, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I don't know. One of the yeah, things that would be yeah. nice. Uh, one of the things that um, Chris, I think Chris Lambert and Mark Zvenwald. Sven, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I don't know. Mark Z. Mark Z uh, yeah. talked about is the fact that, and I think they were both looking for it, the fact that, first of all, you were looking for external compositing tags in this new one, and apparently yes. now you have to use Cineware. The problem is the reports that are coming in, basically, in the Slack, are saying they try and put nulls and cameras in certain places in Cineware, and it doesn't match up. That's always comes. been the case. Has that always, it that always, always been the case? That's something that I, I have never, honestly, like, if you want to do, if you're going to external composite, go to AEC4D or whatever that is. The that plugin? A, yeah. AEC4D Pro? Yeah. Let me. Let me now, I'm in the old course. version, but I put external compositing tags on those pieces, and then I brought it into Cineware, and it worked mm-hmm. this week. But that's mm-hmm. because I was bringing in Cineware with the external compositing tags. Like, how do you mm-hmm. mark what nulls go where if. I don't I think it, it. it's not called external compositing tag anymore. It's still there, but it's not called external compositing. It's just called it's it's like called like a render compositor. I don't remember what the exact wor- verbiage for it is. I yeah. wish they would put in a little bit of like metadata in so that when you search for the old term, it comes up mm-hmm. with a new one. Honestly, AEC4D Pro is amazing. Like yeah, I've used it I so many it. times and it is absolutely incredible, especially for when you're having to update your stuff. Like you make changes in cinema and then you've got to update it in After Effects. You can just automatically update it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yep. I haven't even bothered with Cineware or the old yeah. like dot AEC, mm-hmm. you know, like that old yeah. thing. I haven't done either of those in probably <clears throat> three plus years because of AEC 4D Pro. It's 40 bucks and it'll save your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, the only other thing I had on here uh, is that uh, the ZBrush Summit is going on right now mm. as well. So yeah. if you're into ZBrush, make sure you check that out. You like um, <laughs> floating boxes? Are, th- are those virtual desks? That's yeah, it's a virtual set. I think the I think the desks are real. The rest of it's virtual. The desks are real. Yeah, the floor just looks like it's floating a bit. I wonder if they're using Unreal. I don't know. They that. need some uh, ambient occlusion on there. You know, this is a uh, this is a big event. This is like what four or five days or something like that. Yeah. So is ZBrush Summit like their version of NAB? Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a big event. I mean, they do. I think it's. I think yeah. it would be closer to their Adobe Max or something, you know. You know what I meant. Like it's yeah, there's yeah, lots yeah. of presentation, like dedicated yeah. presentations yeah, and like probably announced like feature announcements and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious if they're going to do feature announcements. Yeah. I don't know. No clue. So, but uh, I can yeah, I can count I can count on one hand how many times I've used ZBrush 
like <laughs> uh, I probably successfully. can too. Yeah, I try. No, maybe not one hand. Maybe two. Definitely two. <clears throat> so uh, let's get to some of your topics here, Billy. Uh, number one, uh, you were at uh, Camp MoGraph. You were an instructor at Camp MoGraph. Yeah, you were. That was fun. Yeah, uh, I had an amazing time. Um, yeah. For anyone who missed on camp, I ran a workshop on. Um, it's really difficult for me to name, but like one part storytelling, another part concepting. Um, really, just like how do I come up with ideas um, and then set myself up for success and actually accomplishing and like finishing through on that. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to personal work, client work, etc. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun putting that together. Um, as I always joke anything that's worth doing is worth overdoing <laughs> and and thus i had a 140 slide slideshow yeah did you um, see matt zipper's comment did I you miss did. the 50, 50 slide presentation <laughs> um but, but but i think that would be i think that would be fun to break up and do into some youtube tutorial yeah. Yeah. content stuff um i've been coming soon to mograph.com i've been kicking <laughs> i've been kicking around the idea of 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 um, dusting off my YouTube because um, I don't think people really do tutorials on Vimeo anymore. Um, no, they do I, them in one minute on TikTok. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, it's going to be tough for me to do one minute anything. <laughs> you have to, like, show them the, the base. A lot of people will do, like, a TLDR version and say, uh-huh. here's how you do this, blah, 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 and they'll go through it real fast, and then it'll be like, link in bio, check out the full tutorial here, and then yeah you have the full tutorial on your youtube so it's like yeah billy i'd like you i'd like to see you with like that much you know high energy enthusiasm and stuff doing like a quick one minute that's not me man (laughs) (laughs) nope oh man it would just be like it. It would just be you introducing yourself. Would be like the first yeah. minute of the TikTok. Right? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't even talk about the concept and why I feel like it's important. Mm-hmm. Let alone any of the information to actual like educate somebody <laughs> on the topic. I couldn't even get through that part in one minute. It would be like, and that's that's about who I am. Now on to the tutorial, and that would be the end <laughs> of it. You have to do it in parts. You have to. You could do it. Yeah. You can do parts. Follow on me for part two. Yeah. Follow me for part fifty-six. What I do. Yeah. Part fifty-six. Hey man, I did. I did three sets of tutorials on on Python scripting, and I don't even know Python. <laughs> well, there you oh, go. Man. That's right. I <laughs> so forgot you make about it, right? That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just pretend. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Yeah, but um, we appreciate you doing doing camp and everything. You yes. Know, it's such a it's such a great experience and um you know the the instructors really make it you know and really Mm -hmm. make the vibe and everything too so we appreciate you being there my favorite my favorite thing about camp is like we work so hard to get it all up and going and then that friday you know after everyone's had breakfast it's like that's the time in which we pass the torch to all the workshop instructors you know and it it no longer becomes what we've created it becomes what they create you know yeah i I love that and i you know again thank you guys for letting me you know be a part of that this year Mm -hmm. um obviously attended the first two camps and and Mm -hmm. so going into camp number three on a different side of the experience was was really cool you know and seeing you guys progressing as a team and as a i don't even a company whatever you want to call it um really it's been awesome to watch and 
it was awesome to you know be a part of yeah so I've got like copious notes from you here. I'm gonna them up, but um, I figure first, but I mean, we're going to talk about AI and some other things later. But first, let's talk about your work and and what you've been working on lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you know you're in Discord and everything, so we get some updates and you know some behind the scenes sometimes. You know, like yeah, you so like the <laughs> the last time I think we talked, you were you know you were fully into the crypto art scene and stuff like that. And as we all know, Crypto Winter and you know FTX, FTX. and stuff like that has uh, uh, caused uh, some major badness in that part of the world. To say the least. So, are you still hundred percent crypto art, or are you? Uh, how you survive it nowadays? Yeah, I mean it's definitely been a big roller coaster. Um, I think the last time I was on was like the first week of December, so mm-hmm. like almost eleven months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I've done I've done three client projects. Although that's going to sound like more than what it actually was. Um, mm-hmm. One was like a bona fide four month, like four week block you know like design a bunch of shots animate them render them comp them cool um the other two um one was actually nft related but it was like an event it was like Mm -hmm. it was going to be doing contributing graphics to what would have been what would have been a physical experience um but that got rugged Mm -hmm. um coincidentally after like three days of me working on um but then the last project the one that i just sent an invoice for like last week it was like on and off again maybe like one day a week maybe two days a week um for like kind of like two months um and that was doing a logo for a thing that hasn't come out yet Mm -hmm. um i've never done a logo animation before like 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 a bona fide logo Mm -hmm. like a like a 3d like the thing animates you know does all that that's so funny to hear because that's all dave and i did for like two years yeah, like thousands. Oh no, Dave, you're quiet. I don't hear you. What? No. What do you mean? Uh-oh. I'm quiet. No, we don't hear you. Didn't this happened last week or something. Oh no. Yeah, I don't hear last you. Last week. It's um and it's and it's strictly there. um it's there strictly on Skype. It it's not on the stream. The stream's fine. Weird. It happens okay. all of a sudden. I lose my input to Skype. It's kind of like what happened to you, Billy. It's yeah, you know, yeah, good old fashioned Microsoft. Good and old I bet Skype. You if I put it back on, I bet if I go back to it right now, yep. now you can hear me, right? Just yep. you know, Skype decides to do that. You know, weird because thanks Microsoft. Uh, uh, what, what were, were you saying talking about? We were just I, I lost it. We were talking about logo work. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like thousands, thousands yeah. of logos, all the logos. Yeah. The 10,000 hours of logos. Yeah. 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 I mean, this was my, it'll be for this decently sized, um, thing, property, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, when I'm eventually able to at least retweet it, I don't know Mm -hmm. if I'll be able to say like, Hey, I worked on it and then do like a full case study on my website. We haven't, we haven't figured that out. Mm -hmm. Um, but when the thing of does eventually come out, you'll see me retweet something that you probably wouldn't have expected me to retweet and like Mm -hmm. wink, wink, that will be the logo. Right. You know? Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a interesting learning experience. Um, I think the one we shipped was version 64. Wow. Um, Jeez. 
so yeah that was why that was on and off for two months um hmm. all right yeah i mean it was fun it was it was a cool learning experience um i i wound up liking the way that it looked um although it was like tough to sit there and gr- grind out that many revisions um, yeah in the end it did Every, like any note that I got, whether it was on the client side or whether it was on the studio side, it did ultimately contribute to a good, a better end product. Which that's is, really that's yeah. really nice when that happens versus getting client notes or feedback or whatever, and it just ends up making it worse. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully, I feel I sound better now. Uh, apparently, my compressor was off. All my stuff just like defaulted back to zero this this week. So weird. I, I don't understand my. I don't understand Windows. <sighs> Something's always broken. Anyway, <laughs> um, so go back to Windows XP. You sent me a Ooh. bunch of. Oh God! <laughs> you <laughs> you that sent would be me sweet. The sound would be nostalgic, <clears throat> at least the startup right. sound. Mm-hmm. Um, you sent me a um, a bunch of links, though, uh, to your art. You've got uh, root cause analysis here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I can just sort of narrate as we go over these. Sure. Um, since the last time I was on, you know, I've released like six or seven pieces um, on various platforms. You know, some of them are part of like a, a group thing. Some of them are independently released um, in for a number of them. I've worked with um a now friend Abel Okugawa uh, he does a lot of the sound and music for David Aryev's stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's a lot of fun to work with um, on this particular one he did some some sound design and, and music composition from from but um, yeah that that was a really fun piece to work on it was a part of a, an art show that was in Boston um, put together by uh, a collector that I've now know come to know David Paredes um, and it was he's local uh, with Ness uh, Ness Graphics mm-hmm. and uh, Ness pulled me in and so I made that piece and, and it was in a freaking art gallery so the, the next awesome. link is um, I think that's a picture of me and Ryan Talbot another friend of the show oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, we're both standing next to our respective pieces um, so that was that was really cool um, just as you know a career C4D artist up to this mm-hmm. point, um, pretty much all, most of my adult life, uh, I would have never expected or I would have never considered when or how an opportunity like that would have come my way mm-hmm. prior to this whole JPEG, you know, <laughs> sort of nonsense. Um, so even if everything all goes to zero, you know, um, I still got this cool life experience and, right. and you know, um, me and Erica, my my girlfriend, we we drove over to Boston, uh, so we did a little road trip and and got to go see that debuted and exhibited in an art gallery. I mean, you know, it's a it's a smaller place. It's like maybe a thousand or like twelve hundred square feet. So it's not like I wasn't in like the Museum of Modern Art, right? Right? Yet, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was really cool and and so maybe this is one of the later on talking points but I've um, recognized and I'm appreciative of like digital art starting to find its voice within just right. art right mm-hmm. you know for sure um, mm-hmm. 
obviously you've got your your great headlines of like you know people doing the 69 million dollar sale at christie's and um i know later in the in the links i've got some other other maybe lesser known but in my opinion even cooler um examples or like we're sort of crossing you know through you know it's motion graphics and then the traditional art world mm-hmm. and those two sort of all coming together um and so yeah i mean i don't know what what do you guys think like prior to this sort of spotlight being shown on us what do you guys think the the coolest mainstream application of like what mograph was because to me i think like show or or movie title sequences i can't think of a better example of what like a normal person on the street how they may or may not encounter what we do and if if they even care about it or like commercial graphics or something you know yeah or like vfx uh, uh short shorts that people do yeah. like either on YouTube, like similar to the, the, uh, corridor digitals or the okay. you know, Freddie Wong's yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, that's the big stuff that I always, uh, I always associated it with, you know, because you can mention something like that to, you know, any random YouTube watcher or someone who goes on Reddit or whatever, and they will have seen that stuff, you know, <clears throat> like the, yeah. the, the, what is it? The bo- boss town, boss town dynamics. dynamics. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, you mentioned that to just about anyone; they'll know what you're talking about. You know, and half the boomers will think it's real. Yeah, like know? the bowling so. machine. The bowling that machine. Tom Coburn yeah. did. Oh, did you yeah. see the actual bowling machine that someone made now? No. And I 100% guarantee it was based on Tom Coburn's original thing. Well, there you is know? a bowling machine. I actually worked on a, a project years ago for uh, the like the whatever it is i forget the name of it the national bowling whatever they're located mm-hmm. here in in uh arlington and it was uh it was interesting they had like a 100 100 or 200,000 dollar bowling machine at this little place with like these pristine bowling alleys and mm-hmm. I, I i didn't get to see it in action but i was like i wonder if it like looks like what tom right? made you know <laughs> uh <clears throat> yeah, but I I think what we've learned over the last couple of years with crypto and all that is probably that at least we can get some recognition out of this as far as yes. the industry goes, right? Like yes. at, at least if anything, digital art has a place now after all of this. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think but, it's it's created some legitimacy for digital artists, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah, and because yeah, you know, obviously we don't we don't gotta get super into the the crypto side of it, but I just mm-hmm. I really like as somebody I, I like to learn as much about you know the industry and and you know of course I'm I'm younger I'm on the younger side of of this industry, but like hearing about the great studios like MK12 mm-hmm. back in the day from my my coworker at my first well my only studio job you know he he had been there for a decade when i showed up and so he he had kind of a a, you know a lifetime of knowledge and i would always love to just chat with him and kind of get up to speed on like he's like oh you know mk12 they did it was i think it was one of the james like it might have been casino royale or i don't know if it was that studio but i think it was casino royale but yeah so so for him that was like 
the breakthrough of like when he thought motion graphics could break through to the mainstream Mm -hmm. um and you know now there's like an emmy for title sequence you know Mm -hmm. best title sequence of the year and so that's where my head goes in terms of prior to crypto art getting whatever spotlight it's got solace okay Um, right so um yeah i i I, again for me having gotten a small taste of this experience on my own you know having gone to that gotten to release a piece of art in that art gallery um and i'm just i'm just a dude right (laughs) and and so i think opening this door you know getting our field into this whole new art industry has been really awesome to watch and you know of course it's not a guarantee for anybody who Mm -hmm. tries to break into this stuff right um you know and obviously there's a lot of bad stuff that comes with the scamming and rugs and and all this people losing money and and whatnot so i'm not yeah i'm I'm not i'm not trying to say this stuff is perfect and and in some cases probably people should go to jail if they've gone if they've done bad things but like um crappy stuff has happened in art before and it's going to continue to to happen but at least i feel hey keyframes we're here now Right. Yeah. We we, right. we got our own little corner of the sandbox. Yeah. We you know we we've established our foothold, um, and we can we can just keep it keep it moving. And you people know? happened, so you know, people still around. Yeah. Yeah. Still making art, not doing that? client work. That's for true. Yeah. Yeah. And the the FTFX stuff. I mean. I, we don't even have all the details obviously it's, this is like happening in real time right now but it's like uh-huh. these crazy things going on like now he's tweeting out random phrases and stuff uh-huh. or words the whole thing is wild code. what is it's like it's yeah. gonna make a killer movie so <laughs> yeah well, yeah we're gonna get a version of the big short yeah y- exactly it's the, new, it's the new Enron yeah mm-hmm. right it's yeah. just it's insane to what like it's just unbelievable the the stories that are are popping up there with Twitter and uh and TikTok and everything else people going into you know even little tweets here and there and talking about what happened with certain people at what time and like the that place they had in the Bahamas and there were 10 people there and five relationships within those 10 people and like just this whole thing I'm like man and then the relationships between the people uh who were involved and like who their relatives were and what prestigious colleges they worked for and just Mm -hmm. it is just insane it's a bunch of really really smart people who made some really bad decisions it sounds like so more than more than bad i mean like uh, yeah I'm, i'm happy just living in my my relatively nice but still modestly sized apartment in the midwest mm-hmm. i keep my head down i make art i i answer people's questions about motherboards yeah you know like wine this I, morning yeah i think that's about <laughs> as controversial as i try to go is mm-hmm. is is saying one motherboard brand sucks in comparison to another one mm-hmm. um i like to that's where i like to that's the lane that i want to stay in yeah yeah um, make an art yeah yeah. But yeah speaking of art um yeah. it's been a it's been a really fun year um 
I had released, I think, three-ish pieces mm -hmm. up to the point the last time I was on the podcast, and I've mm -hmm. done, I'm at somewhere around like 12 or 13 now, if you well, counting the different marketplaces and whatnot. Um, but it's just been all, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so the this one is called yeah, Hyper well. Highway. I don't think um, I saw this one. I had a lot of fun making this a perfect loop. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Really? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I think I saw part of this when you were making it, but I don't think probably. I saw the final product. Yeah, there's a there's a little snippet of this up on Twitter, I think, along with the other pieces that, that it released alongside of. But, yeah, it's like, to, you know, to get into the, the C4D language, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a section of tunnel that repeats twice and then there's an opening in the tunnel where you can see out far into the distance mm -hmm. um, and so one time through the loop it's a city in the background and then in another part of the loop it's like an industrial section so when if you look really close um, it's like it's like two tunnel and then a background and then two more sections of tunnel um, and like getting the road also curves a little bit Mm -hmm. And so the perspective changes, you know, there's always that, that dilemma when you do like an infinitely long hallway that loops of like, how, what do you do about the horizon line where, where all the lines converge mm -hmm. in? And I was like, we'll just throw this whole thing into a bend deformer, do a little bit of math to make sure that each segment, mm -hmm. you know, snaps and, and aligns with the right. Because mm -hmm. again, another, another thing here is like how based on how long the section of road is, how much did the wheel turn? Mm -hmm. So I would want to make sure that the wheel would turn the right amount. Even though it's got motion blur, if you were to pixel peep it, you you, you might be able to catch the exact frame it loops on. Mm -hmm. But like I wanted to get it at least close enough to where um, under a reasonable amount of scrutiny, maybe not extreme scrutiny, mm -hmm. but a reasonable amount, you wouldn't really be able to catch your eye on, on where that looped. Because I've never seen a car, like a full-blown car animation loop like that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I've seen I've seen like ones where it's like at a static, like a three-quarter angle, and the car is just like driving, and you're seeing the background right, like parallax right, behind it. Um, which you know, not to not to downplay that, but like I was like, if if I'm going to tackle a car shot this is how I'm going to tackle it. And I'm going to stress yeah. myself out and I'm going to stress my computers out <laughs> as, as much, as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, oh crap. What was I just going to ask you? Um, oh man. Now I don't remember. I had a good question. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll just go on to the next one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't have the title <clears throat> of this one right here. This is, uh, let's see. Oh, that's funny untitled city shot oh yeah this one doesn't have a title yet it's funny um, this one's this one's not out yet i've finished it um mm -hmm. I've, I've been I, I did a little bit of sound design you know found a found a, a royalty you know stock music track um and then grabbed some like you know air whooshes and like some distant city construction noises and so i've been layering all that together um and again this one Lots of people render cyberpunk cities, but I've never seen anyone do a looping camera animation like this. Mm -hmm. So the 40-second shot, we orbit all the way around this central building, and all the f flying car traffic, all that loops. And so mm -hmm. that's like, when that loops back around, it's everything's all frame accurate, mm -hmm. um, and all that. Um, did you tell me you did used AI to create some billboards in this? 
Yeah, yep. And so uh, we'll touch on that in some of the future uh, links in my notes. But yeah, there's there's a lot of signage and a lot of billboards mm-hmm. in that in that scene. And so like I'd say it's it's like a fifty fifty mix of like you know your your stock vector you know cyberpunk logo whatever um and then the other 50 percent is just stuff that i've come up with like phone advertisements or like billboards or like um you know a robot beverage you know commercial just like your normal sort of filler Times square new york kind of vibe um and yeah i think as far as for me i think that's a really practical use of ai um yeah not really trying not not really expecting it to do like a hero image where it's like everything you're seeing is that is a chunk of AI, but it's just like little sprinkles to add a, yeah. a little bit of filler and just in, in sort of deep, like add detail, to help you out too, you know, so you don't uh-huh. have to. Yeah. I know what I was going to ask you earlier. It was about the wheels. You, so you really turned the wheels at the correct speed. Yeah. So I, I use that. a, I use a car rig. Um, I, I should probably have the link on hand, but it's a Vimeo. Like if you if you search up Cinema 40 car rig, it's a really low poly red and blue car, but the rig, the underlying rig is really good. It's got mm-hmm. like steering control. It's got suspension bounce. Oh, that's nice. Um, it's got a lot of nice stuff in it. And, and so, yeah, you put the body of the car into one part of the hierarchy and then you put each wheel into the four you know nulls and then it uses espresso and all that and it's got it's got controls to make like the wheelbase like longer mm-hmm. or shorter depending on like what kind of car it is and mm-hmm. it, it does all the math like it, it'll do suspension travel um in this one i didn't connect it to like the ground plane that it, it's driving on mm-hmm. um but i just did like a little bit of like vibrate just a little bit of wobble mm-hmm. um and so yeah i i, I, I wish i had the link for that um, car see, rig, but I haven't had a lot of luck with like motion blur and going the actual speed. I feel like, and it's probably an octane thing, but like, if I go if I go the actual speed, like the motion blur looks crazy, like mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. Like you can see through the wheel; it's so bad. Like I always have to just fake it until it looks how I like it. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna chalk that up to an octane versus redshift thing. Um, I hate to play that card, but I've never, <laughs> I've never not struggled doing motion blur in Octane. Whereas in Redshift, it's relatively set it and forget it. That's so. the only place I'd really, I've really had a problem. Um, Is this it, Billy? I just posted it. In yeah, the that's chat. it. Yep. The so it's a cart. It's a cartoon yeah. red and blue car. Yeah. Espresso yep. car rig C4D version two Gumroad. The username Mateo for. For, mm, for, 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 for Gary, for Gary, try it. F O R G H I E R I. For those who are listening and want to type it in, that's cool. How much is it? Is it uh, a donation free. or free? Okay. Yeah, that's well, a donation. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, next time I'm yeah, in car, I'm definitely I'm, doing that. I've used that enough times where I should probably redonate. Just like <laughs> orally, like I got that thing when it was like first released, like mm-hmm. I don't know, probably four years ago or something. Mm-hmm. So I've I've gotten my money's worth out of that. I don't know. I probably gave him like six dollars or ten dollars or whatever. Yeah. So I should yeah. I should step that up. 
Now, as far as other AI stuff, uh, you know, we've been hanging out in the Discord. I know you've been using Stable Diffusion. I was into Mid Journey. I still am. Version four is great. Like it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I have been playing with Stable Diffusion as well. I know you use a different build than like me and Mark do. Um, yours is uh, an MKD Stable Diffusion. Yep. Um, so if you know if. AI art's not your thing because you know I do want to be relatively inclusive for the people who aren't fully into this. Or, um, and I'm I'm not going to downplay the concerns if you're on like the illustration side of the art world. Um, this is a game changer, and mm-hmm. and I I'm really only caveating that because like it might be six months or twelve months before there's no more 3D modeling, or at least okay. I don't want to say no more, but like yeah, to where like. 3D or AI can AI can do what we do as 3D artists. It's just a matter of months. I like, like to think about it like, you know, uh, so you can use Volume Builder mm-hmm. to very easily build something and mm-hmm. then use Z Remesher to remesh it, you mm-hmm. know, instead of going through and actually like remeshing it yourself, you mm-hmm. know. It's the same, you know, it's but the it, same type of idea. It's still going like, to be a long time before anybody is going to be replaced. Like, <clears throat> I, I understand the whole, like, models thing, but, like, you still need somebody to tell a story. And have you ever seen an AI-generated script? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you need someone to tell a story and to be able to set up the shots and art. And, but isn't that mm-hmm. what we are as artists anyway? Like, the mm-hmm. essence of us is still there. We just don't have to do the stupid technical things that we didn't like doing before. Yeah. Now we can be directors of photography. I mean, it's going to open it up to a whole new audience who, you know, can do well, things a whole lot easier. Well, what's going to happen? The after, after Effects being able to bring in, you know, 3D files natively now... I don't know. I, I think what's going to happen is you, AI is going to be able to model stuff and texture stuff, but it's not going to be able to weight paint for a while. Yeah. Because, like, how do you judge if something's weighted correctly on a rig? So, interestingly, um, people always say, like, well, you know, AI or, like, autonomous, whatever, even in, not even just in the art world, but, like, mm-hmm. this autonomous stuff should should take away the jobs that we don't want to do. Right. Right. Like rotoscoping, right? Jetson but like style, but but conveniently, I think the things that we want to do least as three D artists are, at least in my opinion, still the safest parts of the pipeline. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that's that's kind of funny. Like it it went backwards. You know, like we right now it's really good at like making the desserts and the sweets, but it's not good at the vegetables. Mm-hmm. Whereas we wanted it to be. We wanted it to be all vegetables, and so that we could just right. eat candy all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But I mean, it's it's definitely helpful. I mean, it's it's not. There's no way you could like have a client come to you and you just type in all the things you need, and then AI mm-hmm. spits it out right now. So that's like until we're to that point where like uh, somebody at Coca Cola types in what they want into a prompt and it spits out a commercial on the other end like a full-blown commercial with like no mm-hmm. issues you know because you can't, it's not like you can go back and re-render something and say hey can you move this uh coke bottle over here and re-render mm-hmm. that's i i just don't feel like that's coming like you see yeah. all these previews of these things on tiktok and 
wherever how, online. Yeah, and the question is, how like, art directable is this? Right. You know, like you can create a cool product, uh, uh, product, but like how art directable is it? You know, if clients need changes, yeah, exactly. How can you? How how easy is that? Depends we'll on see. what build you're using. How, how good is the <laughs> painting? Yeah. yeah. I um, just think there's still <clears throat> even going to be an operator for it, whatever it is, right? Like, even even if you don't have to do the work anymore, I believe there will still be a position in a company that is like, this is the person who is in charge of AI art direction because they're the ones that know how to do the prompts and they're the ones mm-hmm. that know how to do the parameters and everything else. You know, it's like... Your job may change, but I don't think it's going to go away completely. Yeah. I mean, some will. You know, I think the the type of art client who wanted uh, an album cover for 30 bucks, you know, that's mm-hmm. probably, I mean, not to be too elitist or whatever, but like yeah. that probably shouldn't have fallen on an artist like ourselves who is mm-hmm. better suited for like running a larger project that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that use of time can financially and in, in, um, emotionally contribute more to what we need out of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stuff I think is fine getting eaten by AI, mm-hmm. um, and you know the the twenty dollar commissions crowd of like hey draw my character that you know fiber like, yeah um, or like draw my logo if it's a simple logo mm-hmm. you know like for Paul's bagel shop or whatever <laughs> like that can probably that can probably go yeah See I what can... Midjourney says for Paul's bagel shop <laughs> See, like like right now you're you're working you know if you're working on a piece. You're putting that out there as a, p- a piece of art. Do you think AI is just going to make pieces like that? Like the stuff that you're doing? Um, I mean, I can't say no. With, you know, 100.000% certainty as far as the way that I tend to work. But I do know, like, well-known artists um, that I look up to that have an extensive body of work who've been doing this for longer than I have that they've had their portfolios fed into, you know, so-and-so, like someone will make a stable diffusion build right. specifically for drawing the large spaceships that like Paul Cadesson is known for doing. Cause he, he does concept art for like Blade Runner and Halo right. and, and mm-hmm. Dune. And like, so like, you know, a giant, huge spaceship, cool uh you can rip him off just by scraping his art station um and i'm saying cool sarcastically like just to be abundantly clear um that's really shitty of people to train specific models off of specific artists Mm -hmm. um to rip that style but like the flip side of that that i've heard people argue i not that i agree with this but i i've heard people argue like if you're pitching work to a client and you're making a mood board that's like a rip of like five other people's thing was that different if you pressed all of those buttons in c4d or photoshop or whatever or if you mm-hmm. had the ai spit that out like if you were ripping off the person in your mood board did you like is it better or worse that you still recreated that look well that's the thing right. that everybody does that everybody does mood boards and they say hey we want it to look kind of like uh, this people piece but at the same time it looks like this other piece from so and so like I mean that's just how people do art right like those are inspirations it's not ripping off it's not like you're doing the exact same thing but if somebody says hey I want this style you know 
Oh, did you did you do that's um, Paul's bagel shop? It doesn't say Paul's. It just says balls. It says balls. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Like you know, but, like the general idea is there. You know, yeah. Like yeah. it's like I could use either any of those as like an excellent starting point. It's a good for a starting Paul's point. bagel shop. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. I do that all the time. Like I'm <laughs> I'm working on a piece right Paul. now, and I've just been doing AI studies and. And once I come up with an idea and I block it out in cinema, I feed that back into Stable Diffusion mm-hmm. to see what it comes up with in addition to what I've I've done. But like Mark says, it, everything is a remix anyway. You know, mm-hmm. I just don't feel as guilty because I'm not ripping off anyone's work directly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting ideas from AI and I don't even know where they come from. But it's it's. I don't know. It's it doesn't seem any different to me than doing a mood board and mm-hmm. and and bringing up the inspirations of your favorite artists. How else are you going to like get anywhere with your art if you don't have an, any inspiration? Like right? Yeah. You know? I mean, again, there's a lot of there's a lot of sides to take, and and there's a lot of nuanced points to make. I don't I don't really feel like I have all that much new to contribute to this conversation whether it be like the ethics mm-hmm. or whatnot, but I've found some interesting ways of using it in, in my own work um, that aren't just like it's not just the full frame result of the prompt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably like a decent way to segue into the next thing mm-hmm. which is for an upcoming piece of mine um, I've been working on a, a robot version of myself to put into mm-hmm. you know my scenes um and you know spoiler alert i'm i got a lot of tattoos um mm-hmm. like torso um i'm got my legs or you know those, <laughs> those are all done so um i spent about two weeks um and with the help of my girlfriend um she would take photographs of areas that I couldn't reach like whether it's behind my leg or, or what Sorry. this is like it's it's hard to get a like a clear photo of like the back right. of your leg right. you know or, right. or whatever so I would take a photo and for some of the ones that like wrap around like a leg or whatever you got to take like multiple and then kind of stitch those back together right um in photoshop to to un to flatten it mm-hmm. you know um and so yeah the the process has been photos to photoshop to stable diffusion back to photoshop and then into substance painter and then i can export that as a texture (laughs) um so i recorded a little dropbox video um just sort of thumbing through um kind of that quick process for for one of the pieces on my leg it's a it's a godzilla um So yeah, like just kind of thumbing through those. That's like my actual leg, um, and then we hop over into Photoshop, where Jeez. you know you, you got to you got to kind of mask it together, you know, rebuild it in pieces. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. I've, I've been um, my friend Patrick like was like, you should just scan scan this, and I was yeah. like, but I I still need it as like a flat image. I don't I I don't want like t- like tiled islands all over the place um so yeah like we we get to a a finished point where i'm like all right this resembles what is actually on my leg and you do the Um, color correction to make it look you know real good 
and then there's there's the, there's on some of them there's a couple areas where I would like paint in like a, a little bit of extra shading or I, mm-hmm. I would paint out something because I'm like oh the AI keeps grabbing onto this like this one component that I either do or don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of this one, I ran like I ran probably like two or three hundred iterations of this because like there's a lot of different pieces of, to this. That is to so this one. cool. There's there's a lot of different pieces. There's like Godzilla's face, his body, both of his arms, and both of his hands are, are visible in this one. And so then I would wind up stitching together probably I don't know anywhere from like five to ten mm-hmm. different stable diffusion ones where I'm like, oh, I like this lightning bolt, right. or I like yeah. this hand, um, and I would basically paint all of that back together. <laughs> Does um, it then make you mad that like your tattoo isn't like the one that you chose? No, I mean they're they're each they're each their own thing in their own right. I mean Robo Gernge has Robo-Gurnge, a little more right. Robo taste. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. Um, but then yeah, eventually it makes its way into substance. <laughs> that's paint. so cool, Gosh, dude. dude. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, Man, that's a lot of work, dude. Yeah, and so I did that like twenty something times for all of the tattoos that I have. Oh my gosh. Um, both legs, my torso, and my arm. So, what's and in your match, torso? And the matching boxers. <laughs> those are those are cut off. Those are cut off sweatpants that I've. T- <laughs> there are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> dozens. <laughs> huh. Man, gosh, and yeah, so the, so what are you? Arm. What are you doing with this though? What's the next step? Um. So the next step is it's going to get put into a render. Um, of course so I'm I'm working on I got a shot already um, and um, it should be I think it should be the next talking about the previs thing yeah oh yeah okay so yeah so this is um, you know as as you do you're like hey I want to make a 3d scene like let me prompt something Um, so this was this was over the summer when I was using mid-journey before I got stable diffusion so I was like what is a workshop like a model making workshop look like in this world that I've been building. So I, yeah. you know, I, I got a, I got a bunch of words to like describe like cluttered tools and like mess and you know, whatnot. Um, something, got, something Raphael Rao. Right. Yeah. I mean, all, all kinds of, all kinds of I, stuff. It's uh, my favorite thing about like AI art and stuff. Like, if you look at any of those things, you can't point out exactly what they are. No, you know. But, yeah. but if you look at it as a whole picture, yeah. it's like oh, okay, like it's clutter, it's whatever. But to, yeah. to like, you know, it's like a dream, right? It is. I mean, yeah, it really is. It's just like a dream. Mm-hmm. It's what you mm-hmm. would see. I, and I especially notice that when you uh, bring up stuff with uh, with letters and numbers on it, just like the one mm-hmm. you just did. Like, it's it's what you would see in a dream if you looked at a clock. You would just see this gibberish because you know you can't tell the time in a dream. If someone asks you what time it is and you look at your watch, it'll just be gibberish. So it, it's very weird, the similarities between AI and just like a what I envision is what dreams are, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, um, that's, uh, that's going into a scene already. Um, not that you can see because the the camera kind of crops it a bit but i've got like a couple gundam model kits that i've i've built over the years and so for me um one of the offline non-computer related things i like to do is you know putting together gundam models 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sitting at the desk, you got like, uh, you got the exacto knife and the little um, side cutters. They're like mm-hmm. little pliers. Um, you know, some paintbrushes, glue. You got like, um, there's like a matte clear coat mm. spray that I, you know, it makes it look like less like shiny plastic, like crappy shiny plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is the robot version of me put into that mid journey scene that you just saw. Love like that the, the cluttered workshop. Um, and so not that you can see most of my legs, but you know all the te- they're they're, they're mm-hmm. there. Whether, <laughs> whether you see them or not in this scene, you know, I, I'll have this model yeah, made. Yeah, in part two, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. That's um, cool, man. I did something in one of my pieces a few months ago with uh, uh, fluorescent lights where I put the little rings of the non-work. You know, you get those little bubbles. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nobody is ever going to notice that. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. I really like fluorescent lights in renders. I don't know why I really enjoy mm-hmm. fluorescent lights. Yeah, I I'd, I'd never weird. really, I'd never really tackled one in a three D scene. Um, I mean, they're really render intensive. If you if you layer the, if you right. layer it like how it's built, mm-hmm. um, it's really really tough on like ray tracing. So it's not that's not a particularly fun scene when it comes to render time. It's like twenty minutes for like two K by two K. Per frame, um, so yeah, we'll we'll get to that point. We'll get to animating that when I have a a better subject sort of built out. You know, right now it's just a box. You know, um, as a placeholder. But you know, again, going back to like what I started out um, saying, like in my Camp Mograph talk, I was all about getting an idea, developing that idea a bit, and then allowing yourself to work on a piece and so even though I might not necessarily know exactly what this robot character is going to be building or like painting or you know playing around with some little model that doesn't need to stop me from building the rest of the workshop and like setting up the lighting right getting all this other stuff built out and adding in little easter eggs um because I can I can just sit on this until I get what that centerpiece is mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, so for me that's that's another important thing to keep in mind when you're if you're somebody who just sticks to client work because that's like that's your vibe and you don't do a ton of personal work but you would like to change that I would encourage you to you know work on developing that idea and don't necessarily let it stop you just because you hit the first like stumbling block or, or whatever you know mm-hmm. in, in theory this isn't a complete piece of art but that doesn't yeah. mean that I've not spent you know a couple weeks like on odd on odd time um, you know building out this stuff and, and buying little assets and then tweaking the textures and substance and adding little you know stickers and dirt and dust to really grunge up this this room but all mm-hmm. of that adds to your story like mm-hmm. you know especially if you're doing mul- uh, multiples you know um i've done a couple that are su- supposedly in the same universe right like a couple renders in the same universe and every time i do one i come up with these ideas of what this world is and why mm-hmm. and i'm going to you know i'll add one little thing here oh i'm going to put a sticker on this thing well why is that sticker there and and my mind starts to want to wander and i think a lot of people think that when people do a series of renders they have the whole story figured out already in their head but 
Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, like for me personally, I, I'm constantly evolving my own universes. And yeah. of course, it, it, it also helps whether or not, like coming up with those stories as you go is what helps you decide if you want to do more of these mm-hmm. in the future. Because if you can't think of anything else good, then, you know, maybe it's time to go on to a different subject. But like, um, your, like your, your tattoos, for example, I'm sure tell a story on your body. So like, what do these tattoos say about this robot and why? And the whole, you know, like there's so many Mm -hmm. possibilities. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that we sit in front of it for so long. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've put in a ridiculous amount of hours into this, you know, so certainly there's plenty of time to think about this robot story. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, I'm kicking around multiple ideas for different, pieces like that i haven't even touched um mm-hmm. you know when you're in the shower or you're driving to the grocery store or whatever yeah. like you get you get that little blast of an idea and then you jot it down in your notes mm-hmm. um and then you come back to it a couple days later when you're sitting in bed with the laptop right before you fall asleep and you're like oh like okay i just got the next part of that idea and then you jot yeah. that down you know and then like over time that builds into something that can justify you spending a good chunk of time on um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got um, some CCTV footage. I don't know what this is. Oh, yeah. So on, on the TV in the background of that is going to be like a little news broadcast of like a, you know, hmm. a news mm-hmm. whatever. And so so in Stable Diffusion, I generated like CCTV of like a bank robbery. Back and rooms. I took, <laughs> and, I, and I took the robot from that first piece that I showed you. I, you know, ran him through Mixamo and got him a couple little animation cycles yeah. and, and rendered this and then comped the robot to look, you know, added a bunch of blue fringing and a bunch of grain and mm-hmm. messed with the frame rate and all that and made it look harmonious. Um, so, yeah, that was that. Again, this is another little fun use of AI. Like I just generated yeah. two, two still images, um, the one in the hallway and then the other one that's like in the actual, I don't know, lobby, whatever you'd call it, of the bank. Um, and, you know, we got a little bit of robot crime. Yeah. And that's just, a, that's just a little background element. I mean, that could that could serve as its own little, you know, Instagram post or, or mm-hmm. you know, own little right. Twitter post. Yeah. Um, Gosh, like, I, I didn't think about it before, but, man, doing back rooms with... AI, I bet would get very scary. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole little wormhole of yeah. of internet lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back rooms are back rooms are, are creepy, man. I don't know if you've seen a lot of them online, but like, you know what I'm talking about, Matt? Mm-hmm. Back back rooms. My daughter's way into it. It's just like it's it's familiar. It's places you've never been that are but there are familiar that are empty like imagine you're in an empty mall okay, okay? and it's an abandoned yeah. empty mall and nobody's in there but you can't get out and it's infinite and then the, the rooms are very nostalgic almost like beige 80s there's okay. random objects and places you know maybe a scene that looks like a, I don't know a, a, a swimming pool scene or maybe mm-hmm. uh, you know some like being in an empty Dillard's with no clothes in it, you okay. know, like a, a department store. That's, but 
It's a very weird, familiar, and I think that's why people get creeped out by it. Like it's almost like nostalgic, but it's creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's any, there's even a video game kind of based yeah. on it. It's uh, the have you heard the of back the, rooms? The, but yeah, well, there's an IKEA game as well that's very similar because it's you you the whole plot of the game is that you are trapped in an infinite <clears throat> IKEA. Okay, you cannot get out. And so you have I feel to build like that every time I go to IKEA. Stay away from. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I was just at one on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got I got some frames. <laughs> it's like right a five hour walk just to go pick out the one thing you need. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, but you did some other uh, explorations too. The ones we were talking about with the uh, the posters and stuff. Yeah. So these are. I think these next couple links are closer up. Just like just screenshots of like the. Um, so like in the city piece I've got billboards where I've got like a sign you know like whatever cyberpunk generic looking sign but then just sorry excuse me um, animating yeah yeah, animating a simple gradient like a texture overlay you know like uh, just to add a little bit of color to that logo Um, AI is really good at making like washes of gradients and Mm -hmm. like some of those some of those ones up above look like a little painterly but and, and then like yeah, like those are those are pretty cool, and you can just put that in like a color correct node, and then like just slide the hue slider so it likes like colorama, like you know cycles through. Yeah, um, and that's like a really that looks perfectly good as like a a, a sign, like a mm-hmm. you know you know um, a building sign or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one are like some little f- like faux movie posters. So I did like a bootleg Godzilla, and then like a you know some Robo Lady. You know, like a a beer commercial or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just very just, metropolis. Yeah, just generating filler. You know, and it's yeah. you you dig through an old Pinterest board and you're like, oh hey, like here's here's where I pinned a bunch of Art Deco, mm-hmm. you know, um, things because like this is however many years ago and I was listening to electro swing the music genre and i'm like oh like okay this art this is an art style that i'm kind of vibing with because it reminds me of the album art of Mm -hmm. this this band or whatever so yeah just i think throwing together a little little background elements um and then just layering that together with like stock vector graphics you know or just like Uh popping onto font and just like Mm -hmm. coming coming up with a some you know new typeface um I don't consider myself super strong on the typography or like graphic design Mm -hmm. side. So this is a, for me, it's a, at least it's helping me tackle that, whether I'm doing it aesthetically well is, I don't know, that's up for somebody else to to argue, but like, Mm -hmm. at least for me, it's getting me, it's getting me into that mindset of like, all right, well, like I'm willing to set some type, um, in, in, look at like oh i want to pair this font and that font and like draw some little simple shapes or whatever mm-hmm. and make a little thing out of it because i've got a little artwork background already made and what's mm-hmm. fun you know like y- y- as you're generating stuff with whatever ai software you're you're using it might throw something unexpected out at you and you're like oh like let me pivot and go down this idea mm-hmm. of like you know you might just type in like um, new york city times square advertisement uh-huh. or whatever and then you see one of them that looks like uh did you just get hit call now you know yeah. mm-hmm. lawyer lawyer commercial and then you're like oh like okay well yeah let me let me go make a fake law firm 
right for my little city that i'm in and then like boom that was just like a little idea that came out of nowhere that's the thing that's that's exactly what it is man it's all the little ideas that happen from being able to just brainstorm with Mm -hmm. an ai it's it's amazing for me it's been a game changer as far as like making stuff i had some weird hurdle in my head that like I can't base anything I do on any real person's art or influence or inspiration because that's copying. Mm-hmm. And and somehow I was able to get over that hurdle. Like I wasn't even like trying to copy people. It's just like, oh, that's a cool space piece. Mm-hmm. I want to do a space piece. Well, I can't do a space piece because Ari have already did a space piece. Did a space piece. Like, right. <laughs> like I I don't know why I felt like that, but like. I don't know. It, there's something in my head that got unlocked being able to brainstorm on little ideas like that. Like, just mm-hmm. however minute. It's very helpful. Um, but what about... Talk to, can I can yeah. I ask you guys about Stable Diffusion? Because I haven't used it at all, you know? And I, I, and I, I've heard you guys talk about, like, it being local, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. not being online. Like, how exactly does it work? Does it just load... Runs on your graphics card. Right, but does it load a database that it's already created and mm-hmm. stuff like that? Okay. Yep. So, yeah. so the... I'm, I'm going to use the restroom while you explain it. Please do. Yeah. Um, so the, the version that I use is um, NMKD, Stable mm-hmm. Diffusion. This is just, I don't know, this, the internet name that this dev uses or whatever he came up with. Um, it's a pay-what-you-want to download mm-hmm. the EXE, and then you run it. Uh, okay. It'll take a couple minutes to download the image database mm-hmm. um, the first time you run it, and then and then you're off. You've got your, you've got your little text box to type type prompts into and then you've got a mm-hmm. couple couple sliders as far as like resolution um, you can enable upscaling um, you can tell it how many images to make with each prompt um, mm-hmm. and a variety of other little little features and at least with the stable diffusion on a 3090 it's like it can be as fast as like three seconds mm-hmm. for an image um, at, at relatively low settings Um how would you compare it to Mid Journey, like as far as like accuracy and you know stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's worth me qualifying my answer with how I'm using it. Again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really using it to make hero imagery, mm-hmm. um, so it's fine for it to be pretty foggy. I wouldn't say it's as good as version three or version four of Mid Journey. At least okay. the build that I'm using, I'm using mm-hmm. um, Stable Diffusion one point six. Um, and how often are they updating it? Um, I started using it in September, and it was on version one point four. Okay. Um, so it's like I don't know, one, you know, once a month or so. Um, and and I would say this is probably less realistic than Dali, mm-hmm. and it's less like wild, wacky, psychedelic than Mid Journey. Okay. Um, but because it runs locally um, and it's free because it's running mm-hmm. locally, like I, you know, I think I paid ten dollars or whatever I tipped when I downloaded the EXE. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, the first time I downloaded it, I didn't pay, and then and then I when I updated it the next time, I paid you know ten bucks because I'd right. used it a bunch and I'd liked it. Um, so yeah, for me that's the benefit because like I can tell it to go run two hundred images, right? Mm-hmm. And then go eat lunch, and then come back, and not have burned through 
ten dollars, you know, a month's worth of credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the fact and that you it, have like an output folder that it's throwing it into, you don't have to go to Discord and right click right, and save each one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And can you can you add like your own images? Mm-hmm. Like for example, could I image download the entirety of you know some website or someone else's work and like just you can say, train hey, it. You can yeah. train it. Yeah. You could. Interesting. Yeah. yeah yep. That takes a lot of work, but you know. Yeah. And so so what's I'll say as a plus sign, uh, ethically, this is dubious, but like people Mm -hmm. do train models for specific tasks. Mm -hmm. I would recommend you don't train a model to rip off a specific artist, Mm -hmm. but that's just my personal stance on it. But, um, those models are, it's like a dot CFKT or something along Mm -hmm. those lines. And you all, all you do is you just open up the settings and stable diffusion and you can point your build to that model. Um, so like, let's just okay. say if, if you found a, you know, an anime face filter one, cause mm-hmm. you were like, I want to sit here and make a comic book or, you know, manga or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a build specifically for that. And then you, it's, 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 it's all right through your same UI. You know, you just switch, there's like a mode, um, like a little drop down mode of like, which, which, uh, model or which like filter type you want to run it on. Um, so it's, it's pretty versatile. It, it, Stable diffusion becomes its own rabbit hole mm-hmm. to go down once you once you get oh, into yeah. this. Because it'll take like image sequences and everything. So you could feed it an image sequence. You have lots of options as far as what is it, your CFG, you know, slider or whatever. So you can say, I want this to be closer to uh, what I'm describing, or mm-hmm. I want this I want it to look like this photo as much as possible using these parameters or you could slide it the other way and say you can stray away from this photo as long as you're using it as a base for the description and -hmm. you can also take photos and put it into it and tell it to um what is it called interrogate is that right yeah interrogate and it feeds back a prompt to you from a picture so if you like a particular style you can put it in there and it will say oh this is a picture of a dog doing some something something at a cafe in the style of Blank. Interesting. Yeah, it's basically it's reverse engineering the prompt. You feed right. it an image, and it'll tell you what it thinks the prompt to get there would be. And so that wow. can be an, that can That's be incredible. It can be really interesting because it, that allows you to learn what the computer's language is looking for. Uh-huh. When when you're like, let's just say you wanted something to look, to look like an architectural blueprint, mm-hmm. uh, like a schematic, you right. might not necessarily actually want to use that word. Mm-hmm. You know, it might right. be like line linogram or like i don't know some weird made up word you know mm-hmm. or some word that i don't have in my vocabulary um so that that can be that can be an interesting part of of that like or you know certain types of painting styles like whether it's classical or renaissance or baroque or uh-huh. god, god knows what right perfect <laughs> good job dave i'm i'm fixing <laughs> my flag my flag is messed up i don't think i'm gonna be able to there we go. Nope, nope, you can still see it. Anyway, um, there is a... Um, that is, that's so cool. It, where where do you guys suggest I go in order to start I was going to say, this run this tutorial. There's this video right here. I think uh, you will probably like this Okay. Uh, for getting started with it because it is called uh, Install Stable Diffusion Locally in Three Minutes. And I happened to just come across it, and I thought it was great. And then... Uh, 
the next day, Mark told me that he had done the exact same video and done the exact same thing. So we have the same build. It's super fast to start. Okay. Like, this is a great video. Um, this is by... Hold on. Is it Royal Skies? It's Royal Skies. Okay. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other good videos on there, too. And, it, it, like, one of them, he kind of explained some of the controls, not all of them. I don't think anybody still knows what batch count and batch size do, but in relation well, to and, each other. Uh, my and, turn to go and, to the bathroom. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, AI, it's probably coming for most of our jobs at some point this decade. That's probably a safe way to, to place a bet on that. Um, so just figuring out, I think a way to integrate this into um, stuff that you can use if at the very least becoming broadly familiar with it um, so that way you can be aware of what it can do right um, I, th I think is pretty important if you are in the camp of being really worried about where this is going to go and how it might impact us it's like knowing your enemy <laughs> you know that, that yeah. old phrase I think um, I think it's just um a good a good reason to do it is to be prepared for the changes and how mm -hmm. you're going to fit into that. That's that's the main thing for me. Like, if I just ignored AI for the next ten years, I'm not going to know what to do with it in ten years. Exactly. And I don't want to be that person. I want to know everything about it. So, I, if someone asks me, "Can you do this thing?" I can do that thing. You know. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I, I think I think that's a really healthy way to approach it. If if you're not in the full blown, I want to play with this camp. If you're on the opposite end of that spectrum of like, I don't really want like I don't really want anything to do with this. Uh, you know, I'm worried about my job or I'm worried about my future. Um, I understand that side that side of the the argument, but mm -hmm. I think you're doing yourself a disservice in not becoming familiar with in using this. Um, because if you don't become familiar or utilize that in any way, you're going to probably be earlier on in that shift of getting phased out. Right. Um, if you're not able to use it to augment what you're doing or to assist you in, in some way. Right. You know? And so, yeah, I think... Sorry. I was just going to say, I, I don't have a whole lot else to, to, you know, to add to it other than that. Well, even as far as mid-journey, if you're using mid-journey, you're using Dolly... That's great. Like Midjourney is great. I love Midjourney. I still use Midjourney because it does some things I just can't accomplish with Stable Diffusion. But once I started using Stable Diffusion, trying to figure out how to get it locally, trying to understand all these ins and outs, um, I sat there and I started like experimenting with the same prompt, the same inputs, just change the CFG by like one. You know, and then change these other sampling steps and, and try, oh, let's do all the same settings, but let's do like Euler and I don't know, DDIM or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. whatever sampling method and then and then trying that. But with all the same settings and then comparing all of these things, you know, and saying, OK, now I understand CFG scale, right? If I jack the CFG scale up all the way, it it I I consider that the imagination button, um, mm -hmm. because it, it's almost like you're you're trying to tell it to be more accurate to what you're writing, but it's going to be way more trippy, right? Right. Like it, it's, it, it's you know, it's how much of a leash you're giving the AI, right? 
Absolutely, mm-hmm. like great compa- Like that, that's the thing. And and once you start doing this and playing with this, even if it's not for anything, even if you just spend a couple hours sitting there messing with the random seed and just all the settings, right, and figure out how it works. Then when it's time to use it, you sit down and you're like, okay, I know exactly which buttons to hit. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like anything else, really. It's practice and. Um, there's something different about running your own version because you really have that ability to just just go off the rails experimenting and not worry mm-hmm. about am I spending money, you know? Mm-hmm. Am I going to run? Can out people of see my prompts? Yeah, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your Your source source for all things indie film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. That's cool. Uh, That's very cool. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, I'll send you the link to this in, in the dingus so that you can try it after the show. It's... It really, it really, you know, it says install in three minutes. It took me like 10 because I hit a couple snags, but, you know, just <laughs> hit, hit me up if, like, like uh, here's the one thing. When you install it and you get to the point where it's installing Python, mm-hmm. make sure you check that box. Don't go too fast. Check that box that says, uh, I forget how it's put. Basically to where you can run Python from anywhere in any prompt. You don't have to be in that directory. Oh, okay. I forget, like like global, universal, okay. something, something. It's a check. <laughs> um, oh, excuse me. Bless you. Yeah, but you've got some links to some in real life art stuff in here as well. Um, yeah. So in, in addition to like my own art and AI art, uh, this year I've I've been a lot better at IRL art. Um, so you know we've got a great museum here in Detroit the Detroit Institute of Arts. Um, I've gone there a couple times uh, with my girlfriend. We were actually just there this weekend to attend a um, Van Gogh in America. Um, So there's like 70-something pieces by Van Gogh. It's like half paintings and half um, sketches and like charcoal drawings. Um, So within this, you know, I, I... I got exposed to a lot other, a lot more of his um, art, and so I put together just like a real quick little imager um, album of like stuff that I saw there that I didn't know. Like I just know Van Gogh is like these really colorful, um, you know, like Starry Night and whatnot. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is like a realistic bridge. Um, and so for me, that I, I, I triggered this thought of like. Or this this 
dilemma that maybe some of us this might resonate with of like what is my style or like do mm-hmm. i even have a style mm-hmm. right um and so seeing a you know a now world famous accomplished person have a variety of noticeably different types of work um this might sound super obvious but like i went to a community college you know i didn't go to art school um so i I don't have a lot of this knowledge unless i just like stumble across it in the real world you know by going by by going to a museum um because like what am i just gonna like google famous oil painters like i mean i guess i could and then i could try to teach myself stuff but like um so yeah, there's a couple of cool pieces in there, and, and this one right here, um, it's the other Starry Night. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. know the main one that has like the steeple and like the big swirly stuff in the in the clouds. Mm-hmm. But I liked this one more because I, I loved the reflections on the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In 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 if you scroll down to like the there's like a three quarters angle, um, it might be tough, but there's like there's just so much texture in oil right. paintings. Again, this is probably very obvious if you have an actual art uh, background, um, but for me, um, it's been really cool to you know I've I've seen a couple of his pieces at the DIA and at at MoMA in in New York, and that's just one example. Um, of uh holy shit like painting's cool and i didn't really have a proper appreciation for it throughout my 20s um not that i didn't like think like oh well you know oil paintings take a long time obviously that comes with its own skill set i can recognize that but there's something really cool about standing in front of an oil painting and recognizing like oh the person who made this 300 years ago was also standing here right in front of this thing making it um mm-hmm. and uh yeah getting to connect with that now having a better sense of myself as an artist over this past year um i don't want to like put words in your guys mouth but for me i never really felt like the word artist fit me mm-hmm. like just being a person who uses art software yeah for clients i didn't i yeah. didn't really think of myself as an artist in my own right i recognize i have artistic ability mm-hmm. right i think anyone does in being able to deliver stuff to your client but i just didn't really mm-hmm. feel like that term fit me until like over this last year like getting to see some success putting my own artwork out there mm-hmm. um and in coming in getting this better appreciation you know, yeah, for, yeah. For, I probably spent the first ten years of my career not considering myself an artist. You know, yeah. wasn't until until I really got into like three D animation and stuff like that that I really felt you know mm-hmm. that that title was applicable. I'm still yeah. trying to figure out if I'm an artist or not. <laughs> I yeah, feel like I'm mostly a technical a artist. Yeah, I'm a technical artist. You know. Yeah. See, it, but I don't. I don't think that's the case. You know, because like. I don't know. Art, artists aren't as much as you know. People are like, "Oh, you're so artistic," you know. Like to these people who these kids or whatever who just like can draw. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot that people don't see. A lot of practice that they've done. You know, a lot of stuff going on in their head that you know people don't. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know. And so it's like you know, I don't know we've we've done our time i'm an artist now right you know todd was asking if anyone's tried uh stable diffusion in browser no install um i mean there's a bunch of them and then 
I also really like what Google's doing with Google, Google Collab, where it will actually take some of the parameters and turn them into sliders and stuff. But I, I've been trying to get um, a version called Deform to work, and I cannot get it to work locally. But if you if if you are messing with AI art or stable mm-hmm. diffusion and you check out Deform, it's like an animated version where like you can put in parameters like rotate on Y axis and like all sorts of stuff. I just I cannot get it to work locally. I, I've tried mm-hmm. like five, six different walkthroughs on the internet, installed a bunch of things. I got Anaconda hooked up to these different versions of these different servers and I like it's too much for my head. Like at some point, these are going to be After Effects plugins with sliders, right? Right. You know. So, um, I'm I'm waiting for Cinema. I'm waiting for Maxon to integrate well, something. Because someone built great. something already to where you can just like throw some basic things in there and it, and it, it sees it in stable diffusion. You know, yeah. someone already did that with both C4D and Blender. I mean, it's just like a some sort of to make to make it sound more simple than it is like some sort of batch process because mm-hmm. right now I'm doing that I'll take some basic shapes in cinema and block something out and throw it in manually but somebody figured out how to do that all automated yeah you know? um, but it's it it comes up with some cool results if you you know just go make some basic shapes you know I did like a table with a coffee cup on it you know mm-hmm. and a person standing there like made out of cylinders and then it turned it into like actual art it was nuts yeah yeah blender has somebody made a blender plugin that does it for sure um hmm. i saw a c4d one over the weekend it was running a stable diffusion within c4d somebody was like they made like a real low poly red car and they typed like lamborghini on the moon yeah or whatever and it you know it showed up in yeah. the viewport and what's cool about that is if you make like an image sequence of it, I messed with all this mm-hmm. too, make an image sequence of that, make a camera move, feed that in. It does some really wild things. And I'm, I'm sure that Deform would take it a step further. Corridor Crew yeah. pretty much just did that. They made us like a Spider-Verse like AI thing just yesterday. Oh, nice. Um, and so there's like some sequences in that where um, kind of playing into the Spider-Verse art style where it's like real loose and real graphical where mm-hmm. like even one sh- even within one shot of a character you know having every frame be a different output you know mm-hmm. as they're like rotating around something it, it makes that sort of flickering jittering kind of plays into that art yeah. style um, yeah. which right now you might think like well that's aesthetically una- unappealing for like a realistic rendering art style but for a graphical comic book art style maybe mm-hmm. right now the technology is at a point where, the, where it it facilitates that well mm-hmm. in a weird way that might actually get harder as the ai stuff gets better <laughs> yeah because it would it would be more consistent more coherent from frame yeah. to frame um I guess that's Nitro it, Man yeah. is working on a Cinema 4D plugin. Yeah, yeah that's right now. that's that's the one that I was I just mentioned. Yeah, the the red okay. red Lamborghini on the moon or whatever. There you go. All right. Nice. Is it finished or he's working on it right now? I have no idea. No clue. Nitro 4D Gen AI version one. Now I wonder if you have to install Stable Diffusion locally to do this or. Jeez. So let's see what it does here. Yeah, but like, 
it's not really doing anything in cinema it's just a yeah what's the it's just a stable diffusion build in cinema in I mean, cinema that's weird oh okay see the blender one i oh, saw you, you would actually do like is is it in here somewhere He's he's going through and creating textures, textures with it textures and stuff like, like that, that, which is pretty cool. Okay, you know, it's not taking what's in the viewport and turning it into no something. But that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. It's a matter of three D model Spider Man in wireframe computer. <laughs> oh, oh my right. gosh, that's awful. So, what other uh, IRL art have you come across? Yeah, I mean, we can, um, combining, you know, what we were just talking about, me going to museums and having this enlightening of like, oh, art's like, oh, really impressive, duh, because I'd never gone, <laughs> I'd never, I really didn't expose myself to art like that. And then at the very top of the show, when I was sort of saying like, I feel like as a benefit of this crypto stuff, we've gotten digital art to have some amount of a spotlight shown on it. Um so the next two things I've got are just um, some examples of that that aren't that aren't people. Um, mm-hmm. So DK, uh, I believe he's a Korean-born uh, animator. You know, he's very much oh, in the. Oh, I in love the, DK in the two D sort of joysticks and sliders mm-hmm. type type mm-hmm. art style. Um, and I think I I want to say he's had a piece sell for like. It was either one hundred thousand dollars or one million dollars, which um, is awesome because this is at least for me. This is the biggest I've seen of this like sort of cartoony art style, almost harkening back to like the Flash, mm-hmm. sort of almost not, not quite, but almost. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's it's cool. It's not just like three D, uh, like emissive, you know, shape with some mega scans trees, which was like what mm-hmm. the that was very reminiscent of like the first wave of like nifty gateway stuff right. which you know not to knock any of that i mean it's it's uh it's a very popular art style but we're we're starting to branch out there you know yeah. we're we're like two years bona fide into this this whole nft thing and and more art styles are starting right more art styles are starting to get a foothold within this and and as time more time goes goes on more and more niches you know street photography or or graffiti or fashion or you know take your pick like they're gonna find their own ways into this um into this medium and and different types of animation stuff are gonna go and and you know find their own mainstream appeal um so seeing dk um start to see some success and then uh another piece that raul marx did uh these tie back to an artist from um sort of like the the mid like the 1940s 1950s 1960s um alexander calder so these are like um he kind of he, they're, they're mobiles, you know, like mm-hmm. a little thing that hangs above the baby's bed. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, this didn't really exist. Those didn't really exist until he had made these art things, or like at least the terminology didn't really exist. Um, and so some of these are really large, like this one's too big to fit in a building, but then he's got mm-hmm. ones that are like, it's the height of you as you stand next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, over this past month or so, Raul Marks 
you know, awesome. Saw this one, yeah. Amazing title sequence animator with um, formerly Elastic, now Antibody. Um, he made digital versions of these in in partnership with the family estate of, of mm. Calder because um, mm-hmm. he's you know he's he's passed on now. Mm-hmm. So this is like digital art, like oh cool, you know C4D MoGraph combining with traditional sculptural art. Right. Um, again, like is this my cup of tea? Maybe not necessarily, um, but the fact that it exists out there and it has a platform that it, it is seeing success in, I see that as a net win for you know for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so those were those were two cool examples that I wanted, you know, in addition to um, what I've been up to in crypto art um, and f- starting to feel some of this benefit um, and now recognizing that benefit amongst more of us um, and not just like the small cinema 4D freelancer turned NFT artist mm-hmm. world, right? Because like, even though I love being in this bubble, we are a bit of a bubble and there's mm-hmm. lots of other art out there um so i love you know i love seeing that um so that pretty much takes up most of that uh the last two links um in that section um right upon walking out of the van gogh exhibit at the dia i like turned to my right and by this point we're in a part of the museum that i don't think i recognize <clears throat> because like it's where I mean it's a big ass museum. Mm-hmm. It, every, every time we go, we go through like one wing um, out of like the ten wings or whatever. Um, and so I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation, but um, Canaletto, I don't know, this Italian painter from like the 1600s. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this shit blew my mind. Um, so that's like a Google search result. Um, the other like, one you sent me isn't working for some reason. It's another, oh, it's, yeah, it's short not. URL. Damn. All right, let me. Is let me it a I, photo of a, the painting, or yeah, it's a it's a photo of a specific one. Um, oh, okay, if you can drop it in the dingus, I can just bring it up. You see, uh, this were see a lot of Venice I, here. Yeah, I mean, I believe, he, yeah. I believe that's where I believe that's where he lived. Um, ooh, that is one healthy length <laughs> of a link. Um, I was unable to send a message. Hmm. Um, let me put this on Imager then. You could always screenshot it and then paste it into Skype. <laughs> oh, can you? Yeah, like do a screenshot and then hit paste. Like screenshot the photo. Hmm. All right, let me let me see if that works. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff with St. Mark's Square in it, for sure. All right, try that. Oh, yeah, I got it. Here we go. Stand by. Oh, this is so, St. Mark's Square as well. There you go. Yeah, so just seeing the convergence of all of these archways as you go back in Z-Space, mm-hmm. like on the on the right-hand side of this, like, and again, this is like a painting that's like, you know, it's like as wide as my arms, and you, you just get to get up close to it and look at it and think like, I mean, he must have had some sort of like slide rule or some sort of like contraption to do like um, parallel lines, 
you know, right. and like had had this all like you know mapped out mm-hmm. as a sketch. But just getting the consistency of like all of these archways going back in Z space. Oh yeah, and there's not in like even on the ground there's like a bit of texture and like you know like brick tiling within all of that tiling there's like not one square inch of this painting where he phoned it in right and i'm i'm just like i sat there for like 10 minutes just looking at this thing like you cameron from ferris bueller did this this was yeah, painted yeah. at 1730 <laughs> or something um just like oh my we didn't have anything that we use as modern human beings and homeboy spent two years on this yeah and the references too you know Mm -hmm. and um he is missing the abnormal amount of pigeons (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's an abnormal amount of pigeons in this square they're pooping everywhere (laughs) oh like that it's accurate in, in, in the real right yeah in the actual square yeah yeah wouldn't know never been Man, what uh, year so, was that? I think this said. I think this was dated like 1730 or 1740. Okay. So, so I, I mean, I guess you go there and you sketch it, and then you come back. Or do you paint it there? Like, how do you? You can't even get a photo for reference. I'm like, sh- you, you can't it? ask me. I wish I knew. Like with the arches, he would have to sit there and, and he would have to go there and count and be like, okay, there's this many arches. Before mm-hmm. he, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's not like you can just snap a phone, a phone photo or something. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if only, if yeah. he could lidar scan it. Yeah, there right. you go. <laughs> well, and it's it's funny because in when when Matt and I went to Columbus and we talked about AI, I was talking about the fact that when you know photography came out, it wasn't considered art either, and people would it was kind of the same thing we're doing now with AI. It's like people would, oh, hey, I don't have to do a sketch of this anymore. I could take a photo and then use it to do my painting. Mm-hmm. They weren't thinking mm-hmm. the photo could actually be art, you know? Right. And now photography is recognized as its own medium, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and with its own subgenres mm-hmm. of, of photography. And so, you know, it's ego painting and then photography and then digital art and then now we're going to have AI art and it's just it's just a flow through time um, and with that is going to come its own subgenres and it's not like oil paintings don't exist it's not like mm-hmm. photographs don't exist just because we've got digital stuff now um, obviously each new one kind of eats away at market share of the previous generation but it doesn't fully eliminate it at least for the most part do you um, think like do you think there'll be there there's two there's two different types of famous AI artists there could be there could be somebody who's famous for being able to do good prompts mm-hmm. a certain way maybe with a certain version of their you know a certain trained version of their software but also do you think that there will be famous AI artists that are AI you know like, well, it's, it's interesting you say this because there's a crypto art thing called uh, Bato Project, B O T T O. I might have right. I, I, I feel like I either had it in my notes, but we didn't get to it last time around. Um, but it's a it's a once a week or once a month. I don't remember. It's a digital painting. AI. It's a completely AI made digital painting that gets put up on Super Rare, mm-hmm. um, and then when they sell it. 
they use the money to buy back their own token to kind of like burn their token, which thus sort of decreases the supply of that token, which theoretically over time should raise the value of it, yada, yada, like mm-hmm. whatever. It's its its own thing, not telling you to buy into it or not. But like Botto is an artist, um, or at least it's an account, and it's sold a hell of a lot more art than I've sold up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know who runs it. Who I don't know, but it's interesting as a, you know, as a an anonymous project. You know, you've got like anonymous artists, and then you've got anonymous AI art. You know, it's kind of like a mix of all of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, I see James um, talking about mm-hmm. like we're going to be kind of challenging gatekeeping. Um, like technical stuff and and you know it's difficult for somebody in like for example um you know a developing nation to be able to compete with the render power that's required to do i don't know vj graphics mm-hmm. or whatever right to just make up an example off the top of my head um ai might be a way that they can generate art and through i don't i don't know whatever as this technology continues to develop uh, somebody in that situation might be able to break into that industry and make art that can serve that purpose uh, where they wouldn't have been able to potentially because wherever they live, they don't have access to these graphics cards or the exchange rate or the right. price of their electricity, like God knows what, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. Um, and the time requirement how long it takes to learn 3d versus how long you can start typing in cyberpunk alleyway whatever in you know a couple builds of stable diffusion from now you might be able to make something that looks as good as what i make and dummy me i'm over here spending two three hundred hours on each piece i might be the the, the one who loses out. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you that. could also just, you know, swing it back around, you know, like take advantage of it. Artisanal, like traditional art, you know, be worth yeah. more because it's done by hand, you know. Take yeah. that and, and run with it, right? Artisanal. Like make it your brand. Artisanal. Yeah. And, and, right. And, and p- part of that is like using art to like market itself. Um, mm-hmm. This is a point that I, I, I thought of a few days ago, like coming up with my list of notes. It's like, um, it's interesting. And I I know we've got 10 minutes, so this might be, this might be the topic that we end on. But, um, uh, as we've gotten a better spotlight on digital art, um, through the notoriety of, you know, your Sotheby's and your Christie's, you know, having well-known motion graphics artists now appearing in these auctions, um, in that attention on digital art part of that's the price that this stuff is going for we now have a way to monetize MoGraph you know in a way that we didn't a few years prior and mm-hmm. whether we like it or not part of the attention that we co- that comes with that is it's like dollar value it's, it's sticker price um, and I know this is its own can of worms you know uh, as a discussion but for me I think that's it's, I mean, I'm happy that we're in this field and we now have an opportunity. Um, and, you know, a lay person walking down the street might be able to recognize DK now because, mm-hmm. you know, that stuff might get shown in Times Square or whatever, 
Um, whereas three years ago, that wasn't a thing for any mm-hmm. of us. Um, well, I, uh, what James has put in the chat, he says, you know, the notion, that's the notion that's being challenged. Does working hard on something matter if the end result is still powerful? And uh, it just depends on the situation because let's, I don't know, I, I do that all the time. If it's something for a client, whatever gets the job done for the client, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they're happy with, if there's an easy way to get to that point, I'm going to take the path of least resistance for a client, right? Um, I was talking to Discord this morning to, to you know, uh, to whoever was in there. And we're talking about, I think you were in there, Billy. I was talking about kind of a, a, a cheat that I use to easily do like this bull build on thing for a client because they mm-hmm. wanted something that we could do for the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was the path of least resistance. It made it easier. It was the same end result for them. But when it comes to art itself, that could be different. Like the value could be in the fact that a real person put in a quality amount of time into the details, mm-hmm. you know, so it could vary. It could. Um, it. This is interesting. It's sort of related to... Um, I'm gonna so I'm gonna link a picture. This is a painting, or it's actually two paintings by Mark Rothko, you know, um, well-known artist in the second half of the 19th or 20th century. Um, it's just giant painted squares, um, and for me, this falls into that that camp of like the banana tape to the wall, right? Where right. it's it's in that camp of like this. On one hand, this frustrates me because my brain thinks of this as low effort art. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten better. I've, I've had this explained to me now at this point in a way that I can actually understand is like this frustrated me because I didn't understand that this person painted the square and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So you, you look at this and you're like, oh, it's a white square painted one color. Mm-hmm. And it, well, this is bullshit that this sells for a million dollars or whatever. But that person found a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And you didn't. And you have to kind of accept that. Um, right. And 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 for me, as somebody who I hinge a lot of my enjoyment and and what I get out of 3D as a byproduct of how much time I spend on a piece, like how much detail and like you know Easter eggs and and mm-hmm. like you know I make sure all the rigs are all good and the stuff's not clipping through and whatnot. I try not to take as many shortcuts as I as I have to. Not everyone works like that. And it's perfectly okay. Well, um, wouldn't a good analogy be like, let's say Beeple opened up Cinema 4D and rendered a cube and put that on display? Mm-hmm. Like, you know I'm, that's going to go for something, but if I did it, it's uh, not. That's Pock, dude. Well, yeah, but there's also kind of <laughs> stuff mean, behind that, too. There's physical art behind that, right? Right. Yeah, and and I, I see I see like um, you know there's a bit uh, I don't want to say a rebuttal but you know some responses on chat and that's just like um, I don't necessarily feel attracted to a piece of art like this where like I want to stare at it because some people look at this and like they can like see the brush strokes and they get kind of lost like they get mesmerized looking at it um, and I don't I'm obviously I'm not going to take that away from a person who likes something like a Rothko square um, but for the longest time 
not really being familiar with the art world because I went to a community college, it frustrated me of like, why is this modern art, you know, nonsense worth something? And then eventually, thankfully, I had it explained to me like this person figured out a way to make this their brand Mm -hmm. and they saw success with it. And they Mm -hmm. even within their own little world, they found ways to innovate as small or big as you may argue or agree that this is innovating um the fact of the matter is it it is within the art world um and some people attribute all kinds of fun language and you know big words from the dictionary and whatnot um but this is this is a, a piece of art like mm-hmm. just in, in an objective sense you might not like it I might not like it because mm-hmm. it didn't take it might have taken him three hours to paint that not 300 or 3,000 hours like it like it took um, Cantello to paint that Venice square mm-hmm. um, but I can't take any way, anything away from that and coming to terms with that was like I felt like that was like healthy like art therapy in, mm-hmm. a, in a sense um so yeah, that that hit me this past summer, like the duct tape <clears throat> tape to the wall. Yeah, the whole you know? anyone can do anyone can do this thing. That's I'm sure everybody feels that initially when they right see it. It's it's right. It's, um, but but when you when when you realize the answer to that argument is that exact question, like you're like, well, why is this valuable? Anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. That's like you, you you think that's the gotcha, like the slam dunk, like oh, like I just won the argument. But if you just ask that right back to the person, well, if it's so easy, why didn't you do it? Mm-hmm. Th- that in and of right, itself right, is right, the right. answer. I and, get that. And and yeah, so coming to terms with that was like, oh, okay, all right. I still don't like looking at this stuff but (laughs) i don't like i don't get mad when i spot it out of the corner of my eye like walking around at a museum because i'm like that's dumb and like you know in my brain i've built this fence around yeah you know painted squares oh that's bullshit Mm -hmm. you know but not that it's not understandable why people think that way it, it's no, completely no, it, understandable. It, like right, you know? and and I and I thought that for years, you know, like damn near a decade um, <laughs> of doing three D art, I was like, well, three D is cool, and painted squares are dumb, um, and so I'm happy. Like again, I don't want to sit there and look at a Rothko square for four mm-hmm. hours and trace all the brush strokes with my eyes, but some people do, and cool, yeah, you know. Um, we do have a hard out, but you do have. Th- Three links, I think, to take us out. I don't know if you want to. Uh, yeah, we bo- can rapid bonus, fire this bonus round rapid fire. Here you go. Number one. Yeah. So number one, uh, Liam Wong, a very well known photographer. He takes a lot of like photos of Japan with like purple and like blue neons. Um, oh, that's funny. Well, I thought this was a render. Nope. These are. This is a book. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, so he's got a new book. It's all a lot of blues and yellows in this one. I was thinking those um, lights look too big. You should scale those down, <laughs> and they're real. <laughs> um, oh wow, yeah. yeah, these are great. So uh, new new photo book from him. Um, uh, a second one, anime this architecture. Um, this is a lot of art from you know Akira, Ghost in the Shell, uh, Metropolis, like all kinds of OG. Uh, anime stuff. Um, this is all curated and put together by uh, a German fellow, Stefan Rickelis, I believe. Probably butchering that pronunciation. Oh, photography. 
Um, this one is uh, paintings from like anime okay. films from like the you know late eighties, nineties, kind of like the golden era. That like again, I don't watch a lot of anime, but like I recognize like oh, look at all the labor and all the time that went into this. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. Um, next link is uh, awesome friend Cornelius mm-hmm. Domrich, aka Zomax. Um, he streams on Twitch now four or five days a week for like six hours at a time. Dude, dude's yeah. a machine. Um, he just finished uh, a piece. I think I saw him tweet out like he's rendering. We've been chatting about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, no, I just again. Having found some own success or success success of my own right, I want to try my hand at like supporting other artists and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be fun to throw my hat into the collector game a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, uh, and that's pretty much it. The last thing was the NVIDIA drivers, which was the very oh, yeah. first thing we wound up actually yeah. talking about. So mm-hmm. that's it. We made it through the list. Nice. Well nice. Done. <sighs> we made it. All we right. Well, we got to get out of here quickly. Uh, please rate us on iTunes, leave a review, subscribe on your podcatcher of choice, help get our ratings up. You can say you've been there, done that, got the T-shirt with the MoGraph logo tee, the Paul Bab Feel the Bab 2020 shirt. All the profits from that go to Doctors Without Borders. The Render Things T-shirt, hoodie, and long sleeve tee, the MoGraph blandishment shirt, and then that Render is Fire shirt, which you're only allowed to wear ironically, unless you're shams. Unless you're shams. Yeah. And uh, remember to hit us up online on the on the socials and things. Uh, hit us at MoGraph.com slash live if you want to see previous episodes. Find out when new episodes are coming out. Uh, and, uh, yeah, YouTube.com slash MoGraph. And then uh, MoGraph TV. Turn it on. Rip the knob off. There it is. And, Billy, where can we find all your things? Uh, pretty much either my human name or my internet name, Gernge. Um Easy enough. It's good SEO on either front. There you go. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for being on, man. It's mm-hmm. always good discussion, you know, and copious notes, which I like, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to think about it. You know, it's great. I can just show up. So, yep. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. Until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. And I'm Billy. Have a good one. Better, yo. Pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SeaGraph, HalfRes, and local meetups. <laughs> Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. we got to stop this thing, Rick! It's going to kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame, frame what? 
MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous. Branch into new software, learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it! We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.